Thank you, worship team and tech team. Good job this morning. Great songs. Oh, wow. I had a worship leader uh, once who would say, well, if that didn't light your fire, your wood's wet. He was from the South, so he could get away with stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I know half of you just didn't like what I said, so oh, well. What's that? Oh, foo on them. <laughs> that was from the congregation? I didn't say that. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. I hope it will be. Maybe you've noticed that our new year hasn't started out so great. Looking in the news, seeing what's going on. Not for us personally, although uh, I noticed uh, I wanted to use my brother Jay as an illustration with his, if anyone noticed his eye. That's what happens when people don't listen to what I say. Just No, God bless him. I felt bad for him. He's here in sickness and less health, more sickness than health, uh, serving us with uh, helping lead worship this morning. Great songs this morning, right? Really awesome. God-focused, which I think we need more of. Um. I'm trying to think, uh, there were a couple of things I wanted to say as I, as I launch into this morning's message. One, some of you have already picked up this. Um, it is available. We can get more of them if we need to. Uh, this is my wife's copy that I got my hands on. I'm going to talk about it uh, just for a second because, well, this will save me from using it as an illustration later in my sermon, you know, because by then... Uh, well, who knows where our minds will be, but um, the reason this is helpful, if you've gotten your hands on one, you'll see, um, if you open it up, you'll find sections in gray. They look like this. Let me just show you. So you have the Bible text, but you have these sections in gray, and this is F. Lagarde Smith's commentary trying to help you get your, your mind around where the Word of God is taking you. And uh, that to understand how it was communicated, why it puts it in chronological order, so you kind of read through the Bible chronologically. And um, I have changed it up a little bit. I want you to be done with this in three weeks. No. Uh, people are concerned, especially those in podcast land who are listening. Uh, when are we starting and what are we going to do? I'm not going to worry about trying to go January 1st to December 31st. I'm not trying to do that. My motive was simply... Well, two, twofold. One, it became obvious to me, and it still is, that many of us have not been through all of the Scripture ourselves. It's obvious. I'm not going to tell you how, but it is. And, uh, and so this will help cure that. And if we believe, and by the way, that's an issue I want to speak into today, belief. If we believe that God has communicated to the human race, anybody think maybe he did? Okay, that was very rousing. Um, this is his love letter to us. It's fascinating to me that people who say they know Jesus aren't interested in what his letter says to us. So I'm not rebuking us. I'm saying I do encounter people like that. I've, I've challenged them and said, have you ever even read? Do you read the Bible at all? And the answer sometimes is no. Well, there's something wrong with that. So I'm trying to help correct that in our, in our culture here. So this will help us. And what we're going to try to do is do two 
um, two days per reading. So I'm giving you a lot of room. So if you fall behind, then you can catch up. A uh, typical reading, I was looking at it today, it's about six pages. It's not much. That's a whole day's worth. So if you get the jump on it, go ahead. And if you fall behind, it'll be easy to catch up because we're only doing, we're going to get through this in two years, all right? And occasionally I'll be commenting on sections you should be reading and saying, did you all notice that? And let me help unpack that a little bit more. I'll throw that in as a little, you know, blurb at the beginning of the sermon and maybe sometimes it'll attach directly. I'm also going to say, since we've just gotten this and some people haven't, we'll plan to start officially next Sunday and start launching from there, okay? So we'll try to keep us coached and you can complain to me if I drop the ball on that uh, to say, well, you should be around this chapter now. You should be around there. So that's that uh, Bible reading idea. And by the way, I went through this personally two or three times. Uh, our church did. It was very effective, very enjoyable, and helped give us orientation to what was going on. So everybody says, okay, I'm glad he's done with the advertisement. <clears throat> Anybody here... Um, the new year, I'm really mad about. I'm going to tell you. You know, Governor Cuomo is going around giving his state of the state address. Don't, oh, no, I'm not going to give a political commentary here. Um, I think it's wise for the church to be careful about politics because sometimes we get it really wrong. But he's giving his state of the state address, which may or may not be thoroughly accurate or whatever you want to say about it. But the thing I'm really mad about is he's giving free education to college students, and I had to pay for mine and my kids. And I think I'm not going to get over it. Yeah, there is no such thing as free lunch, friends, so somebody's paying for it, believe me. Anyway, the point being, he gives a state of the state address, there's a state of the nation address, union, and uh, I'm giving a an SOS, a state of, not an SOS, it should be, an, probably should be an SOS, the state of the church Sunday. And uh, in order to cover it, I need at least two, maybe three, four, five, six, seven weeks. No, just two. I've got two planned at this point. State of the Church Sunday, and um, thinking about how our year started, uh, thankfully for us as an assembly, we may be doing a little better than the world is at large. Things in Florida, at airports, you've noticed this week, plus overseas, more of the same insanity. Our culture seems to be unraveling, and um, more and more challenge, I think, for the church. One of my... Uh, I, 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 uh, have often quoted uh, Tom Rayner because he's the local authority. There's all kinds of consultants and church uh, guides out there, but he, he has a pretty good pulse on what's going on, and so I've used some of his newsletters to communicate trends and uh, problems and uh, symptoms of healthy or unhealthy church, those kind of things. One of, the, one of the bullets I'm going to look at uh, today, I'll just give a preview, is that more and more opposition from the government is going to be coming toward churches. And I don't think that takes rocket science degrees to figure out, but I think it's just reality. We have to think about what's the future going to look like for churches. There may be a time that using a facility like this will no longer work in America. 
You have to do it a different way. Oh, that's nonsense. Okay. It's not nonsense. It's stuff that we have to look at. So in light of the world situation and the challenge before churches, which is God's people and many of his very good servants standing in pulpits this morning, I'd like you to join me in prayer. I want to pray for the church, our church, the church, neighborhood church. Let's pray together. I want to thank you for your grace. We want to thank you, God, the truth of these, these songs that we've sung this morning. So encouraging. The earth is full of your glory. Whether people see it or not or choose to ignore it, the Bible tells us that it is so obvious that every human being on the planet is without excuse for ignoring God. That's how obvious it is. And yet, we delude ourselves and the enemy helps delude us, our flesh helps delude us, the world system helps delude us, so we don't see how the earth is full of your majesty and your glory and is ultimately accountable to the God who made all that is. But we praise you because by the grace of God, we as your children have had the lights come on to see who you are, that you've made all that is, that you intervened on our behalf to rescue a broken and rebellious humanity and pull us back, to bring us back to restoration. And one day, you will end the entire project. And uh, we will be perfected, and we will not be struggling with our foolishness any longer. We'll be walking with you in white. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name today for your church, the state of your church, for you to energize your church. There are those uh, buildings around that are called church buildings with people in them that do not believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, do not believe that your word is to be trusted. They've ousted you virtually. And uh, Lord, we pray for those who are under their influence that you would send light into the darkness. For those who are your children, the, those are, who are um, clinging to you, Lord Jesus, by faith today, I think of our brethren all around us here that are preaching the good news. I thank you for our CB brethren across the Hudson and on this side in Warwick, Brother Craig and, and Howard across the river and Gershwin, who has been uh, fun to have in our pulpit and the influence that they have. Would you energize them by your spirit? Would you strengthen them today? And even those who are not in our immediate family, I, I think of our dear brethren at, at Goodwill and other assemblies, Washingtonville, wherever it might be, God, that the word of God would bear fruit and that the Holy Spirit would bring light into the minds of those who have not entered the kingdom yet and those even who have. Would you strengthen them? And I think about the challenge before us in 2017 the layers of confusion where we don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. We don't understand left from right, up and down. Everything is sliding and fluid and confused. And uh, almost anyone who is sure of anything must be crazy. Lord, your servants need profound wisdom and authority and power and the backing of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. 
to lead millennials and, and younger into the truth and into combat for Jesus. I mean that in the best sense of the word. Make inroads in your kingdom, we pray. Help us at Harmony not to miss it. I'm reading in, Lord, your word in Judges and how one entire uh, area of the family of God missed out when God was giving victory to his people. They missed it. Lord, we don't want to miss it. I'm praying for help. And Lord, help us to have ears to hear today. Illumine our minds to your truth. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Well, that was a long prayer. I hope you endured it. I'm going to look at the scripture. This is in the Bible in your pew. If you'd like to read it up close, page 973, it's Matthew. And by the way, um, there is a grave mistake, and it's my fault. It's not Matthew 15. Those of you who read Matthew 15 and saw that there are not that many verses knew that it was a mistake. It is 13. It's chapter 13. I uh, probably did that so quick I didn't even notice that the number was wrong. Here's what it says. And coming to his hometown, he began preaching to them in their synagogue so that they became astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Where did he get this stuff? That's what they're saying. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own household. And then this defining verse he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Well, we're going to come back to that text in just a few minutes. I want to talk about the state of the church just kind of in general. And for those of you who are searching out Christianity, I know that that happens on a Sunday morning. You might be a guest. Maybe your friends brought you and what is this thing all about? The church is not about being nice and cozy and religious and having stained glass in our windows, which, by the way, we don't have any stained glass on our windows, which is okay. That's not what it's about. The church of Jesus is his people. It's people who have been rescued, people out of, out of all the world. They're not better than other people. One of the things I think our culture gets totally wrong is we think we're better. We're not. I mean, do you think you're better? No. Come on, be honest. Well, I would never do that. Yeah, left to yourself. <laughs> yes, you would. Anyway, the point is, we're not better. We're rescued, right? Sinners saved by grace. And it's the church, whether they meet in buildings like this or nicer buildings than this, or they're meeting in warehouses, or they're meeting in homes, God has established his church. And let me just make my little sermon real quick. The church is God's plan A. He has no plan B. All the tripe about churches and the attitudes about churches and I don't need the church. You're basically telling God that he's wrong and that you know better. 
You're like the people in Nazareth. We know better. We know who this guy is. We saw him grow up. We got this. Who does he think he is talking to us like that, right? That's the trouble they got themselves into. The church is God's plan A, right? The purpose of the church is mission. Mission of the of missions is the church. When you send missionaries overseas, what's their job? They're to get people to come into the family of God and establish churches because you can't stand firm and you will not stand firm and you will not do well as a brother or sister in Christ if you're not in fellowship, in church. I don't care what shape or form it takes. I don't care whether it's a big mega church, whether it's an average one. We're actually above average. I'll get to that in a minute below average or in a house or underground, hiding, which in some countries they are. doesn't matter. But that's where I have to be if I'm going to grow and become Christ-like as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. Around the world, there are places where the church is doing phenomenally. You know that. I mean, thousands of people coming to faith on a regular basis, churches by multiples being planted on a weekly basis, Sections of Africa, sections in China, where it's illegal to be a Christian technically. It's a little iffy, but it grows amazingly. South America, the church is growing. America, not so much. Uh, we're lucky to get a percentile, like a .008 or something like that percentile of growth, because mostly what we do is change labels on the bottles. You all follow what I'm saying there? <laughs> Who has more fun than people? I don't know. But I'm having a good time. Sorry about the rest of you. We just change labels. You know, we go from this bottle to that bottle. So this jar says beans, and we came out of the pinto bean, and we went into the lima bean bottle, and it's like, that's not church growth. So the lima bean bottle gets real big, but that's not, that's not expanding the kingdom. That's just rearranging things. So the church has had some trouble. I got some stats on that just for the fun of it. Uh, some trends I wanted to read to us uh, just to kind of get a bigger picture, if you will, of what might be happening out there. A look back at church trends, Rainer on leadership. This was a podcast, I think. Anyway, I mentioned already uh, that churches are no longer viewed favorably by many governmental units, and more and more of that will be happening. In, um, this is extra data I dug up just so I could have some facts. In I think it was 2015, because all, all the story isn't in yet for 16. 2015, in America, 3,700 churches closed. And this is going to surprise you. 4,000 churches were planted. Churches, that's all I know, just churches. They're probably uh, new church plants, you know. Uh, don't know what kind. Most of them probably are uh, new evangelical uh, type of outreaches, which have a much better success rate, to be blunt. It's easier to start a church than it is to renew one that's sick. Everybody follow me. Okay. So 4,000 new. So that's pretty cool. And that comes from 34 denominational statistic groups. Uh, so that's probably pretty accurate. At the same time, he points out there will be an accelerated decline of 100,000 American congregations in this coming year, a decline in 100,000. So there's a difference between 
3,700 churches closed, 4,000 were started, but 100,000 are on the decline. So what's the rate going to be next year for closures? Okay. Are you glad you came this morning? Wow. Praise the Lord, right? Increase in the number of millennials who are Christians. That's one of the gravitational pulls. Everybody's heard of Gallup polls, right? Gallup polls have said 40% of Americans go to church. Uh, others have pushed on that uh, statistic and said, I don't think that's accurate, and they've done some deeper research, and it's more likely 17% to 20%, something like that. Anyway, somewhere in there is the truth, but that's secondary to whether new people are coming into the faith. And what is encouraging is that God is actually drawing millennials into the kingdom, contrary to what a lot of people think. They are coming. And what we need to do is have the church prepared to aim them in the right direction. That's some of their encouragement for us, and it's totally appropriate. He also mentioned that there's some reasons for optimism. One of them is that millennials are coming into the family of God. Church planners are starting more churches with evangelistic DNA than ever before. New churches have the opportunity to have a more intentional evangelistic DNA than established ones. Millennials are pushing churches toward more of a community emphasis, which is where we've often missed the boat, you know, really being in the, the local community rather than isolated and building walls to make sure we protect ourselves. I'm going to stay on task. My ADD just kicked in. And one of the main reasons the American church has been unhealthy over the past few decades, decades is because of its inward focus. Anybody remember our ministry mapping team that came? That was one of the complaints. And uh, it is one of the things that we're trying to correct as best as we can. It's going to take some effort. Let me give you some good news. Thank God, he's, they all say. And that's about uh, where we are right here. Uh, how's Harmony Baptist doing? Uh, I mentioned that we're above average. The average church in America today maxes at 89 people. Okay, so think about all the churches in America, and there are a lot. Places you go, every other corner you have church buildings, many times occupied by less than that, 89 people. I, I, I was interacting with family yesterday that, not my family, people, who are part of a church family, they're down to 40 people. There are other churches in town that look exactly like that, that are struggling. Um, we have gone from where, when I came, the, the, the summer that I came, yikes, it was pretty light in here, about 45 people maybe, and uh, we're running over 150 on a regular basis. I did the math on it to make sure I didn't exaggerate. Some Sundays look better than that. That's kind of encouraging. Uh, that people, that there are that many people willing to come and listen to the Word of God is encouraging to me, you know, because there's an awful lot of good stuff on TV. Downton Abbey and all these. Anyway, so some other things that happened over the last year. Do you realize that the average Baptist church is lucky if they baptize one new convert in a year? So last year we had five people get baptized, three of them were brand new saints. We've got some others waiting in the ring, wings, and I'm not going to stare down anybody because some of them are here. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun. New members last year, 10 new members uh, joined. And uh, I know Americans are 
really not big on membership. They don't really care a whole lot. Can I confess my sin? I don't really care that much about it either. Let me explain why. I'd rather have you operating as a genuine disciple than whether you have your paper filled out. And people have their paper filled out that are not operating as genuine disciples, so can we kind of fix this? That would be good, right? And, and um, I'm glad that we're still um, in the black uh, financially. Those of you who are faithful stewards, God bless you. Thank you for doing that and being faithful and keeping food on my table. Uh, that does matter a lot. And, uh, and uh, I got this uh, report from Jim, our, our um, treasurer. We did keep the new trend of exceeding our weekly income last month. He gave stats, and uh, uh, some of the guys thought that that was almost like a step of faith for us to say we're going to keep pushing ahead and maintain our missionary uh, support, which we did. Uh, a lot of churches have to cut it back, and I said, let's not do that. Let's trust God that if we honor God and his missionaries, that he'll honor us. And so far, it looks like that's happening. So thanks be to God. Yeah, yay, that's right. So that's good news. So there's some good things happening here, and, uh, and I'm encouraged. And we have some new developments. You heard about small groups today. This is a baby step, but we're going forward. And frankly, it's baby step, but it's a critical one, and I'll explain why in a few minutes. It really is a critical one. On a number of levels, uh, we have some people that are passionate about our food pantry and, and interacting and outreaching through it and actually reaching people who are going to come and be touched by that. And so there's major overhaul going on in that room over there until we build them a big warehouse and get that rolling. And our, um, our interaction with our school has been improving it's got more work to do, but, you know, I, I actually like these teachers, and they, some of them actually like me. They may need medication, but, you know, they like me right now. So, uh, you know, there's some good things that have been happening that um, have been encouraging. And I want to tell you, it has not been an easy process. So hopefully, 2017 will be our year of change, that we will aggressively be open to changing and being synced with what the Spirit wants to do with us individually. All right, so those are some of the introductory things I wanted to mention. Tim Strait gave me a little, our, our youth pastor, Tim, where'd you end up? Oh, hiding on me, okay. And uh, you gave me a little text, and uh, you sent me a text at the New Year and said, 2017 is going to be awesome at Harmony. Did you get a word from God? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> I was encouraged when you sent that. I thought, that's cool. Awesome. So these good things are an encouragement, but I want to be cautionary. I see this sometimes with our people, and, and I'm, I'm cautious for myself, so I want to caution you. That's not a reason to strut. We are by no means, you know lifting the Boeing 757 off the tarmac. I, you know, it's like sometimes, we, oh, we're fine. Look at how many people are coming. Look, our finances are okay. We're fine. No. Remember my illustration when I first came here? I said, this, is, this congregation 
has kind of, by the way, those of you who are newer, you're saying, I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. Just check out for a few minutes. I'll call you back in a couple of minutes. Um, that it was like we had been in a car wreck. Remember that illustration that we're in ICU? And okay, so we're off all the intravenous and we're actually walking around. In fact, we've gotten to go home. Anybody ever had major surgery? You go home, you're ready to run the treadmill? Uh-huh. Not yet. Okay, now I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue. What I'm saying is we have to be careful we don't misassess how healthy we are. Everybody with me so far? Okay, everybody who checked out, come on back. No, not yet. Yes, now. <laughs> so. There's some things we do have to work on big time. One of them is our outreach component. We're working on that, trying to be user-friendly with visitors, things like that. Things that change, things have to be changed up sometimes. We take risks with things. I've said that. Um, if the coffee becomes a distraction and is ruining the church, we'll kill it. Boy, that almost hurt to say that, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? What we do is we, we get stuck on things that have nothing to do with the expansion of the kingdom. And that's what we have to do is refocus on what really has to do with the expansion of the kingdom. If you want health, if you want to grow, you must grow. What I have seen is I've seen a spirit sometimes that says, I'm just telling you what I see, okay? My job is the doctor. You can fire the doctor and get another one who will tell you what you want to hear. You can do that. What I often see is that, yes, we want our church to be healthy. Okay, can I start with you becoming healthy? No way. I'm not dealing with me. What? You're going to start? All right. <laughs> There's this little article. Let me see. This is, that's not the one I want. I hate it. I knew that this was going to happen. My sheets were all going to get mixed up. So I had too many of them, right? Why churches move from growth to maintenance? Church's attitude has to turn around before the actions of the church will turn around. Did you hear me? A church's attitude has to turn around before the actions of the church will turn around. So this is just a basic concept. If I want my church to be healthy, uh, Gene and I talk every so often about when my friend um, Gary Ingram was here. Anybody remember Gary Ingram? Who's trying? They're trying to minister to those who are trapped in same-sex attraction, people who want to get out. They want to go the God way. And so he's, he's talking about the kind of healing that can not just can happen, that should happen in the church. When the church is healthy, we should be healed up. And uh, his reaction, he, he actually, um, can I tattle on you? Yeah, he chickened out. He said he wanted to come up and say, I want that kind of a church. But he waited a week. And by then, everybody, you know, it, it loses some of its, you know what I mean? I'm going to tell you, that's what I want. I want, I want a church where God's spirit can heal us up and we don't keep limping forever and we don't keep coddling our little rebellions and our little hang-ups that make us look so weird. Glad you guys have that problem, not me. <laughs> hey, I'm in it with you. Get it? We're all broken. We're all, we all got junk. 
But there is something critical, and that is a church that wants to grow and wants to become healthy has to seek that as an attitude. Okay, I'm in the process of growing. Eleven reasons churches move from growth to maintenance. I'm not going to read all of it, but the big one is comfort. We like to stay in our comfort zone. I don't want to be made uncomfortable. And can I be blunt? Looking in the mirror some days is uncomfortable. Some of you are so gorgeous. It's got to be wonderful to look in the mirror. Now I'm looking in the mirror right now. I got this beautiful cold sore I've been working on. You know, it's like, you know what it's like? You get a zit, right? Everybody under 20, you get a zit. What do you see in the mirror? Zit. You don't see your face anymore. You see the zit. But when it comes to our spiritual life, and we look in the mirror, let's face it, there's some things we just don't want to look at. Anybody remember that phenomenal spiritual movie, The Never-Ending Story? <laughs> there's a little gremlin guy in that, uh, and he's talking about this mirror that, that the hero, um, can't remember his name, has to, Atreyu, has to look in and see his real self. Oh, yes. Let's see what this shining armored knight is coming to look in the mirror. Let's see what he really thinks of himself. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you have to get out more. Anyway, so anyway, he says, most men looking in the mirror run from themselves screaming in terror. It's one of my favorite quotes because that's how we are. Left to ourselves, we'll run from what is disgusting in that mirror. But God is saying, come take a frank look at yourself. Do you think I don't know about this already? It's really funny how our brains work, isn't it? We come to God and we go, oh, I don't want to confess that. I, like if I don't confess it, God won't know about it. We are hysterical sometimes, right? So if I want to be healthy, I've got to be one of the change agents and say, I'm willing to start becoming healthy, whatever that takes, whatever that takes. That's what discipleship is. Yes, Lord, what's the question? That's a, a real short description of the revival mindset. Yes, Lord, what's the question? The answer is yes already. You need to work on it. Okay, I'll work on it. 2007, I'm not a 17. I'm not big on um, New Year's resolutions. So any of you make any new any of you make the mistake of making New Year's resolution? <laughs> you know what I mean. You make why? Because you're gonna break it. How many weeks out? How, how, how long do you last? Twelve days? Maybe two months? I don't do that. I decide whatever it is in my life that God's put his finger on, I gotta make up my mind I'm gonna do it. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. I just have to start doing that. And I hate to admit it, I feel like the Lord's putting a little pressure on a couple of things. I don't know. Okay, that means some work. I need to change some stuff. Maybe you can risk agreeing with me and saying, I may have to change some stuff. Right? This idea of maintenance. See, if we feel like, oh, the church is doing pretty well. Thank God we got that preacher. At least he draws some people in, you know, it's, and the offerings are okay. We're okay. We've just shifted into maintenance. Or that's not. Oh, that's not. That's not what we're called to. That's not all of it. Just survival. 
church's attitude has to turn around before the actions of the church will turn around. I hang out with pastors. I, I, uh, this always happens to me. I'll, I'll interact with other pastors. They're asking for advice or just time, and what do I do with this? And here's, here's what I'm up against with my board. And, and so we interact, and I'll, I'll give my opinion for what it's worth. And I said to one of them recently, I said, you know, so many churches want to die. Now, they don't think they want to die, but they really want to die. So they get one window open where this could be your opportunity to become viable again, and they resist it because some area of their comfort is going to be disrupted. No, no, we can't do that. Okay, order the coffin. I don't want us to get trapped there. I'm just being blunt. I don't want us to. I don't believe that that's what God is pleased with by any means, right? And thank you for, as an assembly, some of the adjustments we've made. You know, we have made some adjustments. This room looks different than when I first got here. There's going to be more. We're going to have decent bathrooms. I mean, that's not a critical thing unless you need one. Then it's pretty critical. And it does matter. <laughs> and there are other areas we need to clean up, not because things matter, except things matter. When they are used for the kingdom to impact people, to be a, 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 an attractive presentation to people who are outside, right? Even people without electricity, the Amish, you go on their farms, they look neat and tidy. You take what you have, work with it as best as you can. Okay, as I feared, I'm only going to preach one-third of my sermon today. Two targets for us to work. And I want you to think about the text that we were looking at. I'm going to just ponder that text for a second. He came to his own hometown. They were scandalized. That's the word, a stumbling block. They were scandalized by him teaching the truth, basically. They're basically saying, who do you think you are? I hope nobody had that thought this morning. <laughs> about me. Anyway, yeah, probably did. And because of that response, this interesting thing happens. Let me just let me just show you something here. If you're a note taker in your note, you have this. I want to talk about some areas we need to grow. Personal discipleship. And here's the here's the same text in a different gospel. We were in Matthew. This is the Mark text. It's no less than three times in your Bible. However, let me just point out, those of you who are acquainted with the Luke text, anybody remember the Luke text? He comes to his hometown, he preaches, and he reads the passage out of Isaiah, I've been sent to heal the sick, raise the, all of this, and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing, and they want to throw him off a cliff. Yeah, that was a great reception. Probably that was the first time he visited his hometown and taught in the synagogue. This is the second and last time he comes to his hometown, and there are two accounts of that. Here's the end of the Mark one. Look at this. He could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Yeah, that's all? That's exactly what I think, right? You read that, that's all? A few miracles? I don't know if you get This is a profound statement. He could do no miracle there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He wondered. He was amazed. He was astounded. 
Well, what's the word? Here's the, the Greek word, astonished, marveling. He was surprised at their unbelief. Why am I parking on this? Because what I'm saying, and you've heard me say it before, so here's a little plug uh, for praying and for prayer meetings. I believe that unbelief is one of our besetting sins here. When God isn't real, the way I live manifested he isn't real, unbelief has won the day. Does that make sense? Okay. And unbelief can be a demonic spirit that's screaming in your head 24-7. Unless you make up your mind to stand up and say, shut up, and I choose to believe what this says. Look, I read today that God can do this. I believe that. Unless you're doing that, you're being defeated by unbelief. You know you're in a war? Oh, really? See, we met unbelief dulls our brain down about what's happening. God's saying here, the, the Savior, the God-man, Jesus, the miracle worker, first of all, he was astounded at us. I said us. First of all, he was astounded at us. Do you follow what I'm saying? God surprised. Isn't that awesome? We pulled that off. <laughs> you missed the joke. Anyway, we actually surprised Jesus. Not good. <laughs> and he could do no major miracles, and he was astounded at their unbelief. Can God do anything? This is like the dumb question. You know, Can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? I love those deep theological, philosophical discussions that are stupid. But anyway, <laughs> it's like that, though. Can't Jesus do anything? Yes. How come he was hindered in Nazareth? It was a refusal. That's a good word. The word refusal is an excellent word. Let me read some of the commentators. The word biblical commentary, very excellent, more modern, up-to-date commentary. They refuse to believe in him is the language out of Mark, the Mark text. They refused to accept him for who he was as seen by his words and work in lieu of who he was as known by them. Hey, this guy grew up here. We know him. He ain't got anything to tell us. That's why most people don't want native sons of their church to become pastoral staff because that's how the church treats them. Because, oh, I know, I knew, I knew Mike when he was just this. I've heard it. How, you know, Mike, oh boy, what I've heard about you. But anyway, and I, you know, I've heard all of that. So Mike gets up if he's called to ministry, tries to minister. Oh, it's just Mike. I don't have to listen to him. You're sinning against God. Do you hear me? If God's put his hand on him, I'm not talking about Mike. Mike's, I've actually challenged Mike about whether he should be in ministry, right? I did. Am I allowed to do that? I just said that. I just did. <laughs> what an idiot. And, and he's satisfied that he is not called to that, which is fine. But if he had been, you see what I'm saying? Then, then God is endowing a person with what you don't know about from his hometown. Our familiarity breeds contempt, correct? You know, that's an old expression. Yes. Welcome back, by the way. 
We're glad you're back. Well, both are true because he had done all kinds of miracles that led to this discussion. He had just healed the Syrophoenician woman. He had healed the centurion's servant. If you, anybody knows those stories, they're pretty profound. And the news comes into Nazareth. Where, where's he getting off learning all this and doing these? My, well, what's this all about? Okay, so there's a little bit of not believing what actually happened. But what the Bible is saying in this particular verse, somehow, God's hand is held back by the unbelief of his people. Yeah, but we don't live constantly in miracles. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And what I want to avoid is, one, on the one hand, people say, oh, you didn't get healed from cancer. It's because you're unbelieving. And that's baloney. But, but, but on the other side of it, in terms of what is, what does real faith look like? Real faith simply looks like obedience. Whatever you say, I'm willing to do. You all remember when I've taught out of the, um, the, uh, this is an aside, this is a sidebar because the question was just brought up and I feel like I have to touch that or we'll come away with wrong thinking. All right. In the book of James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach. Anybody remember that? Chapter 1. But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the winds. Let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what is that passage telling me? It's not telling me that i got to grip my teeth like, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You know. I believe that, that Pastor John will do miracles next week. That'd be fun, but okay. That's not what it means. What it is saying is, I need wisdom, God. I want to know, am I supposed to marry that girl or that girl? Or I need wisdom, God. I want to marry that girl. And so tell me, is it your will? But make sure you tell me yes, because I want to do it. <laughs> Are you all with me? In other words, don't ask. He says, don't let the double-minded man ask. He's wasting God's time and his own. He's already made up his mind. He's going to do what he wants to do instead of saying, I'll obey whatever you show me. And that's where that's the faith we're talking about. Faith of saying, I'm available to God. Whatever you say, as best as I can, I take the next step of obedience. That's being faithful to God. Right? Not gritting your teeth and trying to invent. By the way, I know Baptists aren't used to this. I do believe God does do miraculous stuff. I believe the Spirit does still work in times like that. But I also believe what this verse says, that our refusal to believe and obey or risk or pray or seek him, whatever the language you want to use, can hinder him. Duh, this is not that profound. Why are so many churches dead? It's not that profound. He wondered at their unbelief. Okay, you got me all riled up now, see? See what happens? Let me find my notes. All right, where are they? I hate when this happens especially. What's the next thing? Here we go. 
personal discipleship. These are the areas we need to work on. Worship. Here's a place to build your faith, if I can dare say it this way. Genuine worship. Okay, well, I'm not talking about corporate at this point, and that, that's important as well. But I'm talking about our personal worship. So if you're a note taker, we're down Yeah, to worship and formation. I'm going to cut it off because we're going to run out of time. Right? And I knew this was going to happen, so I'm really glad. This is one time I planned ahead. And my wife is even happy about this. Look at her, shaking her head. Woo! Score. Anyway, let me explain what I mean. Worship. Come on, notes. I need to park here for a second. What really works for you? You know, in terms of worship, in terms of being with God, in terms of hearing from him, that kind of thing. You need to develop your own PDF. Anybody do PDF files? You know, PDF. You need to do your own PDF, personal discipleship formula. What works for you? What works for me may not work for you. What I need to do for my life, personally, I'll just, I'll just tell you how I do it. Some of my friends here know. I sneak into this building when it's totally quiet, which is very rare. <laughs> the building is very well used during the week. I find the time that I can get extended time to to interact and 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 debate and argue and, and carry on with God. Because that's how I am. You can kind of tell. I'm not really a non-animated type of personality. So when I pray, that's how I pray. I need that time. That's what works for me. Now, for someone else, it may be the reading of the word. It may be other things that edify people. It may be interacting or doing something for Jesus that you know bears fruit and re-energizes your spirit. I don't know what it is for you personally, but you need to find out what it is and work the system so that your personal discipleship grows and not... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It just went blank. Yeah. Stagnate. That is exactly the word I was looking for. You and I, we... something. Okay, worship. I can't see. Why? Because I'm not spending the time looking at God as he really is. That's one of the reasons I loved all the songs we sang this morning, right? The earth is full of his glory. Seeing God for who he is, seeing who's in charge, seeing who's making things work, uh, resting in him, uh, trusting his sovereignty, being centered, not having panic attacks all the time, not freaking out because somebody didn't say it right or whatever it is that has got me all bent out of shape and losing sleep. Am I focusing? Am I worshiping? I've, I did a whole series on worship. I did a whole series on worship here. I hope some of us gain something out of that. I hope. Let me just read something to you. This is actually jumping ahead, but anybody ever heard of Louis Giglio? Yeah, Passion. He was talking about the development of the Passion Ministry, worship, and uh, he said, we didn't set out to start a big ministry. We were simply trying to make biblical theology fit into music. Worship is our response to who God is and what he has done for us. And get this, 
the biggest competitor to worship is a short-sightedness to the gospel. We don't see God's good news at work and where it can be at work and where it can change me. We don't see it. The biggest competitor. The greatest thing, Giglio said, in time, space, and eternity is the fame, the name, and the glory of Jesus Christ. So why I've talked about that under discipleship is if I'm a true worshiper and I'm seeing him and I'm something is growing in me that my greatest thing is in time, space, and eternity is the fame, the name, and the glory of Jesus Christ, that's going to have an impact on me. It's going to have an impact on how I live, how I think, how I interact. It has to. So I think about worship. Just, just take the basic subject of coming to worship like you did today. So everybody here gets a little gold star on your report card. You know, you're here. Some stats. Andy Stanley, the average attender comes to your church. Any average attender, if they say, this is my church, average attenders come 14% of the time. 14% of the time, that's seven or eight times a year out of 52 weeks, my opportunity to worship, to sing to God, to let those words touch my spirit, to be in the word of God corporately and see God afresh, That all that's competing with, um, let's see, I've got uh, 20 CDs of the original three seasons of the original Star Trek for Christmas. That's what I got. Now, that's a lot of time. It's going to take a long time for me to go through all of those. Compare how much time I'm spending watching Captain Kirk and Spock with his Vulcan death grip or whatever that was, and how much time compared to that, out seven weeks out of the year, I get to look at God. And I would love to say that those people are feeding hungrily on the word of God every day in their private life. But I'll put $100 down right now saying they're not. They're rarely breaking the Bible open, if at all. And they actually cheat by coming to church to get a little bit of... So thank God for those of you who, when you miss, you podcast, because <laughs> I know some of you do. And uh, I'm not here for my health. I'm actually here for your health. And so, and, and we grow and, and we become healthy together. So thank God for that. But what I'm afraid of, and I'm going to come back to this later, is that I think we too often, even though we are followers of Jesus, give him the dregs. You know what the word dregs means? The leftovers. A little bit left in the bottom of a cup. When you drain the dregs, you're drinking the dregs. It's the little leftovers. It comes last. It's one of the things I'm concerned for transformation here at Harmony is really putting his business first. I'm going to show you something in a minute that I'll re reprise next week. And the second thing relating to this worship is worship. If I'm a true worshiper, I am being transformed. It brings formation. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to let that kind of sit right now, but I'll, I'll end with this little story, and then I'll show you the thing that I want to reprise next week because our time is up. Anybody remember when I've quoted from this book, uh, Life You've Always Wanted by 
John Ortberg, wonderful writer, by the way. I highly recommend if you read any of his stuff, it will profit you. He says in the opening, one of the opening chapters about uh, formation transformations, the title of the, of the chapter is Surprised by Change, the Goal of Spiritual Life. God's goal in getting into our life is to continually change us. I hate to admit it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go this October, I'll be 67. I'm just done changing. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, God says, no deal. You're going to continue to change. You're going to continue to refine those things that God finds offensive and other people find offensive and be what God is calling you to be. So I have to keep growing. So he tells the story, the man who never changed. Hank, as we call him, was a cranky guy. He didn't smile easily, and when he did, the smile often had a cruel edge to it coming to some, at someone's expense. He had a knack for discovering islands of bad news and oceans of happiness. He would always find a cloud where others saw a silver lining. And he goes on and on with all the trouble this, this character made. He's part of a local church. Hank could not effectively love his wife or his children or people outside his family. He was easily irritated. He had little use for the poor. He had casual contempt for those whose accents or skin pigment differed from his own. And he was in the church for years and years and years. And here's what it says. Hank was not changing. He was once a cranky young guy. He grew up to be a cranky old man. Man, I don't want to. But even more troubling than that, his lack of change, get this, was the fact that nobody was surprised by it. No one seemed bothered. It was not an anomaly that called head-scratching bewilderment. No church consultants were called in. No emergency meetings were held to probe the strange case of this person who followed the church's general guidelines for spiritual life and yet was not transformed. Are you following where I'm going? If we want our church to be healthy, I have to be willing to be healthy. If I want my church to change, I have to be willing to change. And that means some things that are bad habits or long-term habits may not be as good as I think they are. I got to take a risk. Got to drop my barriers and my protection mode and say, okay, Go ahead and tell me, Doc. Oh, I was afraid that was it. That's why I didn't want to look in the mirror and run screaming from myself. Everybody with me? Okay, are we having fun yet? Okay. I love you, and I want us to do well. I probably owe you an apology because there are some things that I see that I have to call you out about. Call us up, call us out. Come on, we can do better than that. We really can. I'm going to fly through a couple of things. Let me take you to the end. Ready? Little article uh, that Rayner put out to encourage churches and said, four commitments every church member must make. Four commitments every church member must make. Here it comes. One. I will wake up to reality. The world is lost. People are unraveling. They're losing their sanity in our culture. They really are. Do you believe that the gospel can change that? 
I do. I will seek God instead of my preferences. That's where I get stuck and become useless. I want it this way. Oh, stop sucking your thumb. Let's do something. I will wake up to reality. I will seek God, not my preferences. I will believe God can overcome all obstacles. Pray for me. I'm struggling with that one. Anybody else? Yeah, wow, where are you? But I want to see a God who can, and I know he can. My problem is Willie. I will build the house of God. Oh, boy, that's a big discussion. We'll come back to that next week. Let's stand together as we close. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the gathering of your people. It, it really is amazing in our culture that brothers and sisters take the time, energy, effort, give up time and space to give attention to you. I thank you for it. I thank you for everyone in this room today giving attention to the God of heaven. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that our ethos would be transformed. Continue the good little, the, the little, we have had some little steps of health and progress. We're asking that you pour lots of water on that and let it grow out of control. <laughs> Put your angels around your people. Let us think about you. Holy Spirit, strive with us. Open our eyes to be willing to embrace change and move ahead and be useful, useful vessels in your hands. Uh, it's a great opportunity, a great day with all of our troubles. It's still a time for you to show that you're able to overcome obstacles and do remarkable things. So would you guide us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake? We'll thank you, protect us, Bring us back together and strengthen us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. I'm here to talk with anyone who wants to, and Bibles are available. Yes, we're selling merchandise in the temple in the back.